So the coronavirus or the disease COVID-19, the pandemic has been absolutely detrimental to many parts of our world and our society. Um, The Indian Prime Minister Modi today put India on lockdown. Um, The whole 1.6 billion people, the second most populous country in the world, has been on lockdown, which just goes to prove how serious and fatal this actually is. And because I usually talk about the political side of stories, my friend Johan, doing his economics A-level, has a very holistic understanding about the virus's impact on something so vital as the economy and how it's absolutely depleting it. And so please welcome our first guest on this podcast and someone who will give you just a different perspective, which is what this is about. So please welcome Johan. Johan Draco and I'll now be speaking on the economic impact of the UK Chancellor of the Exchequer's policies on the United Kingdom. As of the 24th of March 2020, the United Kingdom had 8,164 cases of the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. Its menacing presence and unprecedented ability to spread from person to person has led to perhaps one of the single largest challenges faced by any government in peacetime. The sudden outburst of cases, especially in the United Kingdom, where cases rose by 5,459 in just four days, has led to mounting pressure on the National Health Service and the private medical institutions of the country. To inhibit the further spread of the virus and ease the burden on health providers of the country, the UK has slowly but steadily closed itself for business. Everything from schools to places of worship have now been closed across the United Kingdom with every non-essential business closed indefinitely, with strict work-at-home orders. This move has paralysed the UK economy and left businesses struggling to keep workers in the payroll whilst generating little to no revenue. In a series of stunning announcements, the Chancellor of the Exchequer has announced a 350 billion GBP loan and aid programme for the British economy and has vowed to do whatever it takes to fight the adverse impacts the virus is having on the economy. Over the course of this report, I will evaluate each of his proposed strategies and project their impact on the island nation of the United Kingdom. Rishi Sunak, Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced late last week that the government would be granting a business rate holiday to all firms in the hospitality sector for 12 months. A business rate means that any business not directly operating out of its private residence and instead working out of a shop or a building, for instance, would pay a special tax. A business rate holiday thereby voids that tax, allowing the operating costs of the business to be lower. This policy works towards a specific goal, the macroeconomic objective of ensuring full employment. Given the recent escalation of measures enforced by the British federal government, such as the closure of all businesses not providing essential services like groceries or pharmacies, businesses are forced to keep workers on their payroll whilst generating no revenue. This means that such a policy was of paramount importance quintessential to keeping people in their jobs and reducing the impact of cyclical unemployment. This is needed because, in theory, a government's first priority should be the welfare of its citizens, and the way to ensure that in a mixed-or-market economy is to ensure people remain in their jobs with a continuous paycheck to keep them going in such turbulent times, keeping the circular flow of money going and not just having money leave poorer families. This policy is, of course, hence effective in that it reduces the cost of business, but the true question here is whether the adverse impacts of COVID-19 will now be reduced. 
The answer to this is yes, but to a limited extent. Business rates take up a small proportion of a firm's operating costs, a larger chunk of which is now redundant employees and the actual cost of renting land to operate, etc. Also, this plan only impacts the hospitality industry and firms directly in the hospitality industry. This means the manufacturing industry and the countless factories of the UK, the financial industry, the construction industry, etc. will receive absolutely no help via this plan. Although the Chancellor has provided funding grants between £10,000 to £25,000 for small businesses, there is yet again a small catch, being that only retail, hospitality or leisure sector firms are the ones eligible for this grant. This means that while some jobs may be protected, bigger British multinationals, for instance, who have much larger operating costs and are facing sales restrictions not just at home in the UK but also overseas, have a worse scenario to deal with. And to survive, their only choice may be to lay off typically higher paid British workers, as the UK has a higher national minimum wage. The magnitude of this clause simply isn't large enough, and this attempt at curbing the impact will be small at best and negligible at worst. However, an extraordinary move, as seen earlier last week, was a 330 billion GBP in state-backed loans for all businesses through the banking system with the help of the Bank of England. This astounding move emerged in a press conference earlier this week and came in conjunction with the slashing of interest rates to historic lows of 0.25% from an anyway low of 0.5% from the central bank. This means if commercial banks pass this rate on, firms and households will be able to borrow at virtually non-existent rates. The £330 billion scheme is however slightly different. The British Finance Ministry stated that the plan allows for any viable business with a turnover of up to £45 million would be able to apply to banks for a 12-month interest-free loan, 80% of which will be guaranteed by the government. Reuters re reported that this scheme will help small and medium-sized firms borrow up to £5 million to deal with coronavirus stoppages. These two monetary policy additions will be invaluable to small and medium-sized firms in allowing them to keep employees on their payroll and paying them with government-insured money, whilst worry about actually paying that money back later, with no interest for these firms. This move will definitely have a much larger impact than the previous one discussed. The magnitude of this policy, allowing any business making less than £45 million annually to borrow at no interest, is large as it encompasses innumerable domestic firms. Furthermore, a high maximum borrowing limit at this lucrative interest rate, the maximum limit being 5 million GBP, will almost definitely suffice these small firms for this temporary time period, covering employee salary or building rent and such. Larger firms can take advantage of this incredibly low interest rate, instead allowing for their continued survival. This move will likely have a significantly more of an impact. First and foremost, it will almost definitely ensure the continual flow of the circular flow of income as businesses pay employees and employees in turn can afford to purchase groceries, medicines, or pay hospital bills, etc. This move will also not hinder the actual production of the UK economy. If this scheme wasn't in place and unemployment soared, for instance, actual production of the UK would crash dramatically. Typically, after such an event, aggregate demand in an economy would be immensely low as customers cannot purchase goods during quarantine periods, and as they refrain from making larger purchases, such as cars or houses, for a certain period of time after these turbulent times. 
because they're simply pessimistic about the future of the economy, as explained in Keynesian, Keynesian's animal spirits theory. Even business investment would be typically lower, as business would be trying to stabilize themselves after paying employees in rent while generating little to no revenue, likely. This plan heavily decreases the impact of that, as governments increase the availability of financial capital for firms. No matter how much aid the government provides, aggregate demand will fall for the next few quarters, at the very minimum, and the GDP of the nation will fall with it. As a result of this lowering demand, firms will adapt by reducing their supply as well. This will cause massive spare capacity in the economy, and typically in a situation like this, a true market economy firm would terminate employees to survive, in accordance with Adam Smith's theory. But with this level of government intervention, most workers will remain employed, just underused, probably in the future, as uh, the unemployment rate will definitely increase. This, however, is an unsustainable method of production, and given that the UK government cannot keep shelling out money and can't keep giving businesses ro loans that make no revenue, the policy will have a short-term impact. For the end of this first quarter and the start of the second, this plan can help keep people in jobs, but after that, the economy must return back to an open-for-business position. While firms that sell products with inelastic demand, especially in this global climate, such as food providers, healthcare providers, etc., may survive, elastic good producers and luxury good producers won't be able to sustain business. Therefore, this policy is, overall, it's a brilliant policy, but for the short term alone, and if the coronavirus epidemic prolongs itself, the government will find itself in a very difficult position to continue funding the policy in this matter or extend it on without placing inflationary pressures on the economy, something that the UK government wants to avoid desperately. In dire conclusion, the economic impact of the Chancellor's policies in the UK economy will not be sufficient, at least in theory. So far, the UK has pledged £350 billion to fighting the virus, something that the Chancellor of the Exchequer spoke about, stating, this is 15% of the value of the economy. Normally, economic announcements are worth fractions of a percent of national income. This is about a fraction of our entire GDP. And that is because self-isolation and suppression moves announced yesterday will remove a chunk of our economy. And the truth is, he is right. Self-isolation and the closure of massive firms temporarily the effective end of a large proportion of consumer spending and falling business investments will be terrible for the economy, without the slightest bit of a doubt. The UK government will undoubtedly fall into a budget deficit this year, with falling corporate revenues and GST intakes leading to lower direct and indirect tax revenue. The government cannot produce more money than it takes in from tax revenue without mounting massive inflationary pressure, which would harm savers whose banks' interest rates don't typically rise in line with inflation meaning the government cannot afford to print more money either. Therefore, with these few monetary and fiscal policies, the government can expect a short-term solution, where the economy may return to some sense of normality. But if this period of a high number of coronavirus patients is extended, or is longer than expected, the government can expect to bail out airline companies which have been grounded and which the Chancellor has already denied help to, aid bigger businesses, which they have avoided so far, and increase welfare and job seeker allowance provided to terminated workers. 
or it will be in possession of a morbidly paralyzed economy for the foreseeable future. So as you can see, he went into very holistic detail and was very analytical with the economic impact of the coronavirus on the UK's economy and spoke about policies, which also we can link to politics. And I want to have more perspectives like this on, so maybe a socialist perspective, just so we can broaden our horizons more than politics and the political side of stories. So thank you for listening.